Good morning. What a way. What a way to praise the Lord. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 4 this morning, and we are closing out uh, today's uh, sermon series on Elisha and Jesus. Elisha and Jesus. We're going to talk about how nothing is too big for God. And I want you to listen to this story with that in mind, all right? Let's read it together. Starting in verse 42 of chapter 4 of 2 Kings. It says that a man came from Baal, Shalisha, bringing the man of God, that is Elisha, 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain along with some heads of new grain. And Elisha said, give it to some... Give it to the people to eat. But his servant replied, How can I set this before a hundred men? But Elisha answered, Give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over. And they set it before them. They ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I am grateful for your word. I'm grateful that we can gather together with hallelujahs in our hearts, praising and honoring and worshiping you as the one true God. And as we come around your table and as we come around your word, we pray that you'll just bless our lives through the power of your spirit, open up our hearts and our minds. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a powerful story. The problem is, is Jesus did the same thing with 5,000 people, right? They didn't know that story in their time. And so bear with us as we think about God's power displayed. Talking about how nothing was too big. For God. You know, Matthew's gospel is the one that tells us about Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's also Mark, Luke, and John, but Matthew is what I want to point out because it starts with the story of John the Baptist and how he was beheaded. And we're told at the beginning of the story that Jesus had withdrawn himself to a solitary place. He needed some time, right? He needed some time to grieve the loss. He needed some time to recuperate. Maybe even he needed to go to a solitary place to protect his disciples. But regardless of the reason, Jesus is followed, we're told. Crowds followed him by foot while Jesus got in a boat and crossed the lake. And as Jesus saw the crowds coming, we're told that Jesus had compassion on them. And he healed the sick. He taught about the kingdom of God. And before they knew it, it was already evening. And the disciples urged Jesus to send the crowd away so they can get some food and rest. But we're told Jesus had other plans. And he told the disciples, you go and feed this crowd. 
We're told in one gospel that Philip protested. He said, the cost is too great. It would take us 200 days of living wage just to feed this crowd. Andrew pointed out that there was a young boy with five loaves and two fish, but he said, how far will that go? I'm not sure five loaves and two fish could feed the 12 disciples. And then we're reminded, right, that we don't always have enough. I feel like Elisha's servant who looked at these loaves of bread, which were probably just barley cakes, and he thought, how is this enough? How am I going to feed so many? And maybe you feel the same way sometimes. Do you question whether you have enough to get to the next paycheck? Do you question whether enough you have enough strength to fight your sickness? Do you question whether enough you have enough capacity to face anxiety? Whether you can, whether you have enough strength to face your marital problems or raise your kids or whatever the season of drought that you're living in, do you feel like you have enough? And you have to remember that Elisha's story is in the middle of a season of drought. These are hungry people throughout the country. We're told that Elisha's at Gilgal, and he is leading a company of prophets that are a hundred people strong. And he's surrounded by drought. They're hungry. And they're spiritually hungry as well. Did you notice the name of the town that man came from? Baal? Baal Shalishah? You don't have to be a historian or a Bible scholar to know that can't be the real name of the city, right? Who would name a city in Israel after a pagan god? I'll tell you who. Kings that don't believe in the one true God. And I've already talked almost every week about how the kings of Israel did not fear or worship the one true God. And hear the irony in this story. Baal was the fertility God. People worshipped Baal so he would produce crops for the people. And there we are, in the middle of a drought, a man's got some bread from a pagan town who worships Baal. And Elisha, through the power of God, is able to feed a hundred men, and there's food left over. There's only one true God in Israel. Baal ain't it. It's Mark's gospel that tells us Jesus had compassion on the people. Specifically, Mark points out that Jesus was thinking that they were sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw the crowd was not only physically hungry from traveling so far, but they were also spiritually hungry. At that time, the spiritual leaders of the day 
They exploited them, gave them cumbersome rules and regulations. They had been trained by the religious leaders that hard work and rule following made you a spiritual elite. But Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. They had this outward appearance of spirituality. But inwardly, ah, they were dead. And so Jesus heals their sick, and he taught them a new way of living in the kingdom of God. Jesus taught them a righteousness that comes by faith. All while grieving John the Baptist. This is a, a deep level of compassion, is it not? The ability of Jesus to see this crowd, a physical and spiritual need, while he himself was going through a drought? Compassion. We see the same thing in Elisha's story, of course. Elisha's constantly meeting physical and spiritual needs throughout his ministry. We talked about how he saves a widow's family by oil being poured miraculously into jars. We talked about, uh, well, we didn't talk about, but last week the, the story ends with this, with this woman's son being raised to life by Elisha. And all along the way... Elisha is feeding people spiritually and physically. He does this while he travels a circuit, raising up prophets to help meet a giant spiritual need in Israel. I believe his passion is fueled by introducing people to a God who is bigger than their need. Did you notice that Elisha's response to Gehazi, his servant, was, you go and feed those hundred guys with 20 loaves of bread. And Gehazi's initial response is, how can that be? <laughs> but Elisha says there's going to be leftovers. These smaller cakes of bread became enough to feed a hundred hungry men. Jesus responds in the exact same way. Did you notice that? His disciples urge him, Come on, Jesus, quit preaching. These people are hungry. <laughs> quit preaching. Let them go get something to eat. Let them go to the town and buy some food. And Jesus' response was the same as Elisha's. He says, you go and feed them. He says, specifically in Matthew 14, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Did you know that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all respond with the exact same phrase that Jesus has here. Put that back up. You give them something to eat. 
As Matthew is recording this, I wonder if he can hear Jesus' voice. I wonder if Peter, as he was relaying this to Mark, was like, oh, and then he said, you give him something to eat. The disciples responded just like Gehazi responded. They said, it ain't possible. It's not doable. But Jesus responds. That nothing is too big for God. 5,000 hungry men. Statistics have shown that they probably had families with them. He could have fed well over 15,000 people, very possibly. But at least 5,000 hungry men were fed with five loaves of bread and two fish. A young boy's lunch. I think there's something to these stories that could possibly help us as we face a physical or spiritual drought. I mean, today's theme is that nothing is too big for God. And that's a good start, right? It doesn't take away the anxiety, but remembering that nothing is too big for God is a good start. There was this little girl on Wednesday night at Emerald Youth while we were serving a pizza to the kids. I noticed that she was crying through the whole meal. And I just, I just had compassion on her. Why is this little girl crying? And the leader was, was just trying to console her. And, and here, here's the story. This seven-year-old girl was told by her friend that if you like this particular popular song, I'm not going to mention the name of it, that you're going to go to hell if you like that song. She told that seven-year-old that. And what happens if you mention the name of a song? Right? It gets up here. And she was crying because she couldn't stop thinking about that song. Like the song was like playing in her mind, and she couldn't stop thinking about it. And she was like, I'm going to burn in hell. Right thinking is a good start, right? Correct thinking is a good start. Understanding that God is bigger than your drought is a good start. But another good way of getting through that drought is a reminder of God's provision. Oh, if Elisha, if, if those prophets in Gilgal, if they could have known the story of Jesus feeding 5,000, wow, would that have changed how they viewed? There's a funny scene two chapters later in Matthew's gospel, in, in, in Matthew's chapter 16, I've got to read this whole story because 
it's, it, in light of everything we're talking about, it's very humorous. When they had crossed the lake, we're told that the disciples forgot to bring bread. And Jesus took that opportunity to teach them, right? And he says, beware, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. You're thinking about bread? Let me go ahead and tie in a little story, a little illustration, a little parable to help you understand how dangerous Pharisee and Sadducee teaching can be. But they, what? They discussed it among themselves. And instead of hearing the parable, they were starting to freak out. I think Jesus knows we forgot the bread. I think he knows we didn't bring any bread. And Jesus, he says, he's aware of their discussion, and he says, you have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you not understand? Don't you remember how five loaves for 5,000? Do you remember how many basketfuls you packed up afterwards? Don't you remember there were seven loaves that we had for 4,000 people? Do you remember how many basketfuls you collected? How is it that you don't understand that I'm not talking about bread, but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? And then they understood that he wasn't talking about bread. <laughs> then they understood he was telling them to guard against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These disciples were worried about bread. After watching Jesus feed so many, an unfathomable amount of people with so very little. <clears throat> and so he encourages them to remember the past to help them through anxiety of today. After the Korean War ended, South Korea was left with a large number of children who had been orphaned from the war. And relief agencies came to deal with all the problems that arose and a connection with having so many orphaned children. And one problem had to do with the children in the orphanages. Even though the children had three meals a day, they were still restless and anxious about going to bed at night. And as they talked to the children, they soon discovered that they had anxiety that there wouldn't be any food the next day. And so to solve this, the relief workers put a little piece of bread in each of the children's hands as they went to bed. The bread wasn't intended to be eaten. It was a simple reminder as they went to sleep. It was a security blanket, if you will reminding them that there will be food tomorrow. Sure enough, it calmed their anxiety. 
one little piece of bread. Boy, as we gather around the table today, I think about some bread. I think about all the anxieties that I'm bringing to the table today. I'm thinking about the spiritual and physical drought that many of you may be going through. And maybe as you put that bread in your hand, you can be reminded that nothing is too big for God. We're going to sing a a song together. I invite you as we sing to go to one of these communion stations that we have set up and take the cups. The top cup is the juice and the bottom cup is the bread. And and hold as we sing and reflect. And then Richard Gardner is going to come up, share some thoughts, and we'll take all of that together in unison. Let's pray together. Father God, I'm just... uh, grateful for your provision. I'm grateful that you are bigger than everything that we're currently facing. The drought spiritually, the drought physically, that Lord, you are big enough to overcome. And you showed us that on the cross, your power to defeat death, your power to defeat sin. And I pray, Lord, that as we worship you now together, that you'll encourage our hearts, that you'll give us strength and encouragement as we go through tough times. And we pray in Jesus' name.